Now we've got to scramble. Walsh around the body, doesn't miss. What a star this young man is. To Kurnow. And Charlie Kurnow off one step. Just went bang. Durden, he saw his way through. And Honey Milton put it right through the middle. Big moment. Kennedy, Walsh, bends it. Brilliant. This kid just keeps on rising. Gives it a roost. He gives it a magnificent roost. He kicked the goal. Here he is, straightens up and has delivered! Is there nothing this young man can't do? G'day Blue Baggers and welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast 2022 Season Review Part 2. It is your host Jed Zetzer here alongside my co-host Harrison Hymans and a very special guest on this show, Nick Wishart. Nick has done so much for the club and we've been trying to get him on but the man has one of the busiest schedules uh, out at... Out of all the blue baggers out there, Nick, thank you so much for taking some time to join us on the show. Thank you so much for that uh, over over exaggerating intro. I really love it and appreciate it. How are we, boys? I'm glad to be with you. We're good. We're good. Well, you got to do the pump up. No, it's you know it's it's validated as well. It's a very fair pump up. I've said it for a while now. We have got clearly the best cheer squad in the game in in the world almost, and you're at the forefront of it, Nick. So. As a supporter, we just really appreciate that you're representing the club this way and giving us what you're giving us every week. So really appreciate it, mate. I appreciate that and appreciate you saying so. Thanks, guys. Um, Nick, well, we're going to get straight into it. Um, It's been one heck of a season, some incredible highs and some incredible lows as well, really, (laughs) um, when you look back at it. But, mate, just before we sort of talk about specifics i've got to get your thoughts just like your initial thoughts on the season as a whole and what you're feeling about the football club right now where do you start like what a season it is i don't think any of us had any idea just how big that year would be when you talk about the highs and lows emotionally i can't remember a season that had such peaks and troughs. Mm. Um, you know, we start with round one Richmond and the whole, not only to beat them finally after nine years, but the Doherty goal and Doherty's return to football. And there was so many individual moments about that. And that just set us on fire for the car, for the, for the season. And fans were so up and about, we're talking premierships and everything after round one. And then to go from, what were we at one stage? It was at eight and four or something like that. Yeah, eight and, and three. Eight and two, eight and two. And, you know, we were genuinely flying high. Nothing could ever go wrong. A couple of injuries and then form and everything else. And you start to play a few better sides. And uh, we kind of just came crashing back down to earth. Um, it's really hard to put a, to put a word to it. Ultimately... Is it? It was their improvement, yes. But did we reach our goal, which was ultimately finals and to play a final? Well, we didn't. So it's really hard to judge whether it was a success or not because there was obvious improvement. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to hear from the club that they're not happy with ninth. Mm. Um, and going forward, how do we feel? Well, next year. I'm also glad to hear that, at least from the mouths of so far Voss and Brian Cook, that 
eighth next year also won't be the pass mark. So just finishing in the eight isn't the isn't the goal. They want to be winning finals and going deep into finals from next year. So I'm glad to hear that that is a, the goal. They're not just content with making the eight. They've got to make a difference once they're there. So uh, they are on the right track. Um, but I still think we're in for a big, big off-season. Um, we've already lost one or two players. But I think there might be a bit more movement to come that's going to be very interesting, I think. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with everything that you've just said there. It's been, yeah, one heck of a season. And, and I love the fact that the club have had this approach that, you know, yes, that wasn't good enough. Yes, there were positives to come out of the season, yeah. but the overarching feel is that, no, they are very disappointed. And yep. and, and, and they should be. And, you know, at the, end, and, and, and at the end of the day, I agree with you. I love the fact that they are not aiming for eighth next year. They're yes. aiming for finals wins and I, going deep. I also like that because it means we would have just naturally been putting ourselves a year behind where we need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, it's very... I've always just, it's only just occurred to me now. It's very symbolic of the entire season that the best night for this club probably happened on the opening night and the worst <laughs> part happened on the final day. On mm. the final minute. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, you know, that is a genuine downhill roller coaster. <laughs> but we couldn't have started higher and we couldn't have ended lower. Yep. But I, I think in terms of the football we played, you can look at it one or two. I think in terms of the football we played, they... they like, You'd have to be an idiot to think we didn't improve. The, the, oh, you know, we improved out of sight completely. But at the end of the day, I think in the grand scheme of things, I actually think it was a terrific season. And in the, in the, in the bigger picture, the difference between 8th and ninth isn't the end of the world. But in terms of the immediate now, short term, we probably fell below where we needed to fall, which yeah. probably makes, in that sense, it was an unsuccessful season. But I think if you take... Depends how you look at it. You know, in, in terms of, sh- you know, short-term goals, we failed in our short-term goals. But in terms of reaching a longer-term goals, I feel like we cleared that in leaps and bounds. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I say there's one, two, one or two ways to look at it. Part of you could think, had they have just managed to scrape in, if they got one more goal in one more game, yeah. or whatever it looked like, you sneak in. I think Carlton's a real confidence team. And the confidence that this group might have been able to take out of just even scraping in by the skin of their teeth, even if you lose the last four games, but you manage to just scrape in on percentage, you go, right, we're here. Now we're here, let's see what we can do. And just balls to the wall, let's have a crack at this. No doubt. But part of me also thinks that for the coaching group, and I think that the way that Boss and especially you know guys like him and Hanson seem to operate, is that they love putting a challenge to this group so every time even after a win early on in the season Voss said that's good yep sweet we bank it we move on next and whenever anyone got injured they weren't going to make excuses for injuries they said next man up next man up so I think that the the coaching group having something to hold against the playing group and kind of say right you didn't achieve the task now prove yourself again go harder give me another 10% give me another 20% I think that's actually good ammunition for this coaching group and their style of coaching uh, to try and draw even more out of this group, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think it's worth noting, I was listening to Nick Rewalt on Dylan Buckley's podcast. Shout out to Dylan Friends, great show. Um, and Nick Rewalt made a really good comment about how teams can still move forward without necessarily winning or making finals. 
it's really dangerous when you're losing and you're not moving forward, but you can still lose games and lose seasons. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we lost this season. We didn't make finals. You can still lose seasons, but move forward. And I think that there's absolutely no doubt that we move forward this year. So that is something worth sort of, I guess, acknowledging the fact. And, and Bolt sort of said it before, but yes, we didn't make finals, but we moved forward and we moved closer to the end goal, which is a big step for this football club, I think, yeah, because well, it's been so games. long since we've been... It's really been like nine years since we've had any sort of relevance in the league. Yeah, and, and I think that was the fun thing about the season, as in it was it was actually fun to be relevant. Mm. Because, you know, the season's usually... We're, we're, you know, we're just playing for unnecessary wins, usually in the last 10 weeks. So... It was good that we actually were going to the footy to watch our team with games where the season was riding on it. Mm. It brought in a lot of added stress, obviously, but it's good. But you know what? We won We won eight games in 2021, was it? It was eight. So we went from eight yeah. to 12. As in, if you take the same leap, which is probably harder to do, as in you're going to finish in the top two. But if you take half that leap, you're going to finish in the top six, mm. which is where we need to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. But I think yeah. when you say by round the last ten rounds, we're usually just you know drawing wins out of nowhere and they don't really mean anything. I remember at about round fourteen or so in this season, putting something on Twitter to the effect of, "I'm used to getting to this point in the year, you know, late June, early July, and automatically having ten players on your list who you want to get rid of, <laughs> having having a list of twenty players who you're hearing are going to come into your club, and doing nothing but discussing those players for the next." months yeah and it's true realized that there was a lot of players we didn't know what was going to happen but there was nothing really set in stone like there was no players who you were saying oh they're a lock to go or they're a lock to come in and just wasn't being spoken about and to the minus one or two names the names coming in so far aren't really massively being spoken about so they're kind of just going about their business rather than everything's getting leaked to the media like in previous years everyone's salary and their contract negotiations in previous years would get leaked to the media and we'd know who's on what money and you know this seems it's like the adults are in charge at the moment and they're just going about their business so it's a really interesting time to see how they're being operated let alone how they're playing footy yeah yeah i agree yeah i mean yeah i, I that's that's an awesome call as well because i think there's always been that yeah i'm uh, for lack of better words just a bit of a leak from in from within the club and, and it's definitely tightened up like even for example when jack silvani was dropped you know if there was any leak that would have got out earlier absolutely and that's that didn't so yeah and we will we'll, let's talk about that for a moment because nick we we sort of spoke about this would it be fair to say that our season almost turned for the worst when he was dropped yeah i i, I strongly agree with that I think that Jack is a I hate using the term heart and soul player because they all should be playing with the same gusto that he does Um, but I think what he represents and what he means to that group um, I kind of get what they were trying to do Um, they probably should have put the word you're getting managed um, understanding that you know, he'd been asked to play, you know, pinch hitting in the ruck a lot and he, his body was banged up like nothing else and so was De Conning's. and then the week after Silvani we saw De Conning, he's he made way a couple of weeks after that and he didn't manage to reclaim his spot but 
you know, they were obviously banged up and really, really sore after all the mountain of work they've done all year. But um, rather than saying managed, it kind of got the fan base a bit turning the nose up. And I'd go as far as saying that the playing group kind of looked at each other sideways and rather than thinking, oh, sh- shit, if, if he's droppable, then we all are. You know, if he's putting in that effort and it's not enough, we better lift our game. I think it almost had the adverse refe- effect. Yeah. I think they looked a bit confused and I agree with that. what was going on as well, I think. Yeah. Definitely. No, I, it, I can definitely all, agree. Because it coincided with, and I, it was always going to be tough when Pitonet was available, but the fact yeah. that in the last month of the year, we played three different ruck combinations. Yes. Like, to have a team that unsettled in such an important part of the game yep. is mind-boggling. And I'm not saying I think DeConning's better than Pitonet or Pitonet's better than sure. DeConning, but at the time that decision was made, nothing needed to be changed. And I think when you say they had three different combinations in the last four weeks, tells me at least, while Pittnet was out, they didn't formulate whatever plan B looked like. Yep, exactly. You're right. Well, they didn't plan for his return in that 12 weeks out. So, yeah, that's a definite cross, you know, tactically uh, and strategically. Um, But, yeah, I don't think when he came back, they kind of just said, oh, yeah, he and DeConning, they're both back, they'll both play well, and... at least Pittnet by the time he came back was so underdone it wasn't funny Mm. Um, and you know DeConning was playing severely hurt as well but you know I just think that that game even though they took Silvani out or he played as a sub that day but they just they went in way too tall and even down back I thought they were too tall Um, and I just think that I hope at least in that last month where there were so many different combinations and everything kind of uh, was very slapdash sort of uh, structurally on the, on the best 22. I hope that they took some learnings out of that because there were even moments where someone like a Lewis Young pinched hit it in there. And I know that he did a fair bit of that at the Bulldogs, but, um, you know, he provided even another option. So what do we look like going forward? Do we need three tall defenders do we need three tall forwards yeah we you know i don't want us you've got to find the right mix and i know it's horses for courses depending on the team you play but um i think they've got to be far more flexible with the selection i think going forward i definitely agree with that because there's going to be you know we we have to hope that we're going to be fully fit at some point next year and if we are fully fit at some point there's going to be the decision yeah, well, that's going to be the, the decision of who are you leaving out out of H, Kerno, DeConning, Silvani, and Pittenet. You can't play all five. Well, yeah. And I then you go to the back line and it's similar. It's, you know, Young, Wiedering, Marchbank, McGovern. But I think all four of those play down back. Well, I, I agree with that, but I'm saying the fact that so all four of those are playing, you can't fit those four and then plus the five. Plus plus two racks. You can't do all of it. Yeah. No, no, no. So I, I, I see it as if you look up forward, the towels are obviously going to play. 100%. And, and then I think Silvani has to play as well because we speak about that oh, flexibility. Locked in, locked That's in. the flexibility. The guy that can pinch hit and yeah. provide that lead up high half forward role. It's, the decision is, I think it's DeConning or Pitonet. It's one of them. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think with Silvani also, what he offers, there's, you know, what his value to the side is when the ball hits the deck, I think he offers as much as our smalls do. Yeah. Versatility. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's bless him when the ball hits the deck Harry Mackay doesn't offer as much as we'd like and I want to see him improve massively in 100%. that area it's the one 
it, obviously they've got the the set shots and all that sort of stuff frustrate us. But the area of his game that needs the work is that second effort when the ball hits the deck and following up and tackling and all that sort of stuff. Um, but what Silvani offers when the ball hits the deck is invaluable, I think. So you know that makes it even harder um, to keep him out. I think. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. Yeah, no, I think Silvani. So I, I'll put you both on the spot here as we sit here right now. We're picking the team for Richmond 2023 round one. Are we going to Conning or Pittenet? Oh, It's very tough. It's really tough. I mean, I'll give Nick another minute. I- I'm personally going to go with Pittenet. Um, but, yeah, wow, it's tough. It's tough. What, what are you it, going with, Nick? It, it is really tough. I would go Pittenet um, almost because of the opposition. I think against Nankovic's... Yep. Such a monstrous big body um, that Pitnet matches up really well against him. Um, but again, there are games where I probably I, I'm not set on either of them as the number one. Hopefully, you know I think they both got a lot of growth still left. They're both still not exactly you know old. I think Tommy's what is it, Tom twenty three or twenty two? Yeah. And Pitnet's only twenty three or four. They're only young themselves, so. Mm. Um, they both still have natural development to come. I think my worry for uh, Tom is, you know, the body. He's still got a, a bit of a light frame. Um, and what you're sacrificing uh, in that, you're making up for, uh, you know, with that vertical leap and the ability to go forward and the and the athleticism that he brings is quite versatile. So, but I think that, Pittnet for the for our midfield um, just offers so much clearance wise and provides a big body to provide a, a few lanes for these guys to run into and you know a body to shepherd these mids and get them get them the ball. I think that's invaluable. So just I'd have Pittnet just to edge him out for now. Yeah, I think I agree with that for sure. But as you said, there are going to be games where we'd prefer to conning. So mm. yeah, it's going to be sort of a week. But I think to week. But, but but that's almost the issue: the fact that. You know, because a good number one ruckman is going to play twenty two yeah. games. That's no one's asking questions of Max Gorn, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and no one's asking questions against even you know Nank- Sean Darcy, even Nank- or, Nank- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even Tom Hickey. No one's asking questions if he's fit. Absolutely. So uh, that's almost the issue with it. They're, they're both so different. It's almost like what do you prioritize around the team? And I think the thing we have to prioritize is stoppage presence. Which Pitonet's got, and DeConning probably doesn't. Mm. They're, they're, they're... Which, do you think that either are better at a certain ground, if that makes sense? Because I think that I've seen Tom play better games at things like Docklands, at, at Marvel. Yeah. I think he's had his better games ruck wise have been at that venue. Um, and it might have coincided. We played a lot of games there while Pitonet was out. But I feel the Pitonet's best games kind of come at the MCG, the big. The Carlton Collingwoods, the Carlton yeah. Richmonds, they're the games that I've seen him kind of take charge. I, I can't say I've noticed it, to be honest. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'd be lying to you if I said I have, but like, it, it wouldn't surprise me because even, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me on the harder surface like Marvel is if it suited yeah. DeConning a bit better. You know, because uh, I, I can imagine Pitt and it just looks like a type of guy that'd be pretty heavy on it on his feet. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's a faster ground, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. Because, you know, DeConning's probably played a handful of his best games over out west. Yep. Mm. Yeah, good call. So, yeah, I, I can't say I've thought of it. It's going to be tough what happens with those two. But I, I think the consensus is it's 
one of them, not both. Mm. Yeah. Well, they, they went into round one this year with both and those three forwards we discussed. And down back, I think it was who we have there, Weedering, uh, McDonald was there round one. And, and McGovern. McGovern. So we didn't so, have that extra tall down back. Yeah. So they, they they definitely went into round one planning for two rucks. Yeah. And until Pitnet went down, they played them both. But, um, yeah, I think they've, uh, there's been a few learnings from this year that I just think will be really interesting moving forward. That's definitely at the top of the list, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, Bolt, should we get into some of the awards from this year? Just throw around yeah. some, some awards that we... It'll create a bit of conversation. Definitely. Well, the one I want to start You're off with... You're the MC, with... as per... <laughs> The one I want to start off with is our most improved player because this is a really interesting one. There's so many players who put their hand up for it in different ways. Yes. So, this is up for interpretation. Yeah. I mean, you could say someone like Matt Cottrell. You could say someone like Adam Saad. You know, any level of improvement. Um, I'm going to go in the order of Bolt and then myself and then Nick because we've got to give Nick some time to think we're putting him on the spot with all of these questions. Bolt, most improved player in 2022. Well, it has to be Matt Cottrell. <laughs> I don't see how it can't be. There's another one that comes to my mind, and I'll hopefully let one of you two take it. But Cottrell, and I, I've said it, like he couldn't have come from a lower base. Mm. And he's finished the year now with a two-year contract. He was a, he, It wasn't even a discussion at the end of the year whether he should be in the team or not. He was so clearly solidified in the side. Yeah. And he played his role really, really well, and he cleaned up his disposal, as in... We couldn't have asked for more from He Cottrell. was reliable with the ball. I didn't think he should have been on the list. So, the fact that I think he's in the best 22 right now is testament to him. He's the most improved player for me. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Um, Cottrell is for me as well, but I'm going to throw another name in the ring, and that is Zach Fisher. I think looking at where Fish came from, he's, he's turned himself almost into our barometer. Um, and, you know, when he's up and firing, it's very rare that we lose. So... Yeah, I'm going to go Fish. I think he had an incredible year um, and, you know, he had some quiet games. He did. There's no doubting that. But hopefully that next step for him next year is getting rid of those quiet games. And yeah, I I really liked Fish's season. Nick, your thoughts? Um, I also agree with both of those. For the last couple of years, Zach Fisher, for lack of a better term, has been my whipping boy. Um, But there were certain games this year where I was just fawning over what I was watching he seemed to move up the ground a bit more, um, but I really liked what I saw there. I'll throw another different name out just for the purpose of the conversation. I think Jordan Boyd. Um, when you talk about Cottrell and his base where he started, at the start of this year and the end of last year, I was kind of looking at, if you were to rank our list from 1 to 46, I would have had Boyd in the, probably the bottom three mm. names on the list if you are ranking them. And now he's, for me a primary reason why Liam Stock is no longer on the list. I think it's another player that's gone past him. Mm. Um, And I think he's kind of come with a bullet, not only with a good defensive mindset that comes as a small defender or or even that halfback wing role, um, but his use of the footy, what I saw this year, was nothing short of sublime. I'd have him in the best four or so kicks in their club. Mm. And I think he's got a bit of a hard edge to him for his size, which I really, really like. So he's, for me, someone who's come with a bullet from absolutely nowhere to, and he got a new contract as well. Yeah. Um, and the other one, I think he's, we saw a bit of it toward the end of last year, but Matt Kennedy for me just came again, came on again in leaps and bounds. Yeah. Um, and he became a genuine walk-up threat to other clubs 
then they had to put time in and effort in against when they're playing against us. And I think that started because of his work rate. He's really the sort of player now that we can rely on and depend on to turn up each week, where in pre- previous seasons we might see glimpses every now and then, but he's an important cog in the wheel of our club, I think, now. So important. And I think in the same breath as Kennedy... As in, I think, like, Charlie Curnow's improvement as well. Mm. As in, yeah. from what from the player he was in 2019 to 2022... Oh, ...is almost the most astronomical leap we've seen. Yeah, yeah. Because um, that was going to be my... I, th- I, th- I thought you, one of you two, were going to take Curnow. But, um, no, Kennedy as well. Kennedy's a phenomenal story. Because, you know, we were saying it but just beforehand. Like, what like, what an omission in that those last three weeks for us. I, you know... What a difference someone like that makes to the team. Uh, yeah, one, Matt- of the, one of the biggest indictments on the whole Teague era was the second that Teague got the boot, the first, real, well, when it was obvious that he was getting the boot, he, you know, Kennedy comes back in toward the end of last year and just things changed. He just head down, bum up. And, you know, I think it started to click for him then, but from round one this season, he went from, you know, a player who has potential but isn't un- isn't fulfilling it to... Yeah, this year he's just like a man on a mission, really. Mm, no, and, and, you know, Bolt knows he's probably my favourite player, him and Jesse Motlop are the two. But, yeah, he's... I mean, I gave his season a 9 out of 10, and I think you did as well, Bolt. Um, yeah, he's, he's had a great season. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Incredible story. Um, Nick, I'm glad you brought up Jordan Boyd and Liam Stock. I want to speak about both of them. I want to speak about Boyd, though, first, because um, I absolutely loved what I saw from him. Um, especially those Richmond and Essendon games, I think are the two that really stand out. I think he started to grow in confidence and find his own space in this team. But um, I just want to ask, playing devil's advocate here, I want to ask your thoughts on, could we possibly be jumping the gun? You know, he's only played two or three really good games for the club. Um, Could we have been jumping the gun? I mean, Liam Stocker, you could say, also played a handful of really good games last year. What are your thoughts on Boyd? And yeah, just going forward, why is he going to be a best 22 player, I guess? Yeah, when we talk about, when we were just discussing the, the player's development, I think ultimately what's worked against Stocker was the lack of development. Now, that's not to say that's his fault. He's had uh, COVID interrupted seasons. His first year, he had severe injuries. He's had mental health issues. Things have kept him out and worked against him. And I genuinely do think that's been luck. Um, but over, what's he been on the list for four years now, we haven't seen him develop the motor required to go into the midfield like he was initially drafted to do. Um, and there's just still obvious deficiencies, one in his kicking, B in his defensive efforts. We love his effort, we love his endeavour, but just the, the motor to be able to run out big games in a defensive role, especially if he is playing as that smaller defender or that lockdown defender. Um, we got a few players got a hold of him this year and I just didn't see the the linear development trajectory going up at the moment, whereas someone like Boyd, um, you mentioned the Bombers and the Tigers game. The one for me I remember was a game at Marvel. I believe it was the Crows. We beat them at Marvel. Yeah, he was he great took, that day. He, he took a mark, like, dropped back in the hole and put his body on the line and yes. caught one from Fogarty, I believe, got him. Mm. Um, and just he copped that hit, knew it was coming, and he got re- it was right in front of our end of the cheer squad, and he got a real big whack. Um, not only did he bounce back up, but he's 
uh, rebound 50 kick out to, I remember it vividly, was out to O'Brien who kicked it in, ran 20 metres, did, he did a long left foot kick into Kerno and it set up a goal. And I just remember thinking, oh crap, we've found a player here. That one moment just kind of filled him with some belief. Um, but yeah, look, I just think that what Boyd brings to the table, not only is effort, but uh, I think foot skills wise, He's, uh, he's coming along in leaps and bounds. We've only been able to see a few games because, again, he got injured like a few others. Um, I feel that he was kind of one of the names who, in that time where we only had 24 or 25 blokes available, uh, he was one who I really would have loved to have had playing consecutive games during that time um, because I think that that's where we dropped a couple of games that we probably could have... Uh, required mm. that extra defender in there or that extra bit of class coming out of half-back. But I think what also he offers, because he's such a good user and everything, I think it offers us the flexibility, and I'll use that word again that I used before, if needed to put Sam Doherty up the ground because that looked like a masterstroke in the last couple of weeks. Um, if we're able to play around and use that or pull that trigger if we want, I think he offers us something more as well in terms of flexibility. It's an interesting... I think that where I come from in terms of the whole Boyd versus Stockett conundrum, I, I think it's very much as simple as Boyd's a proper back pocket. Mm. And yeah, it, cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's a position we've never... We haven't really nailed down probably since, what, two he left. And Kieran Byrne looked like he could, but yeah. he left him just as he was becoming a good player. He did his knee. Yep, exactly. And then after that, he went home. So, you know, that was their last chance of it, I think. Yeah, Yeah, and, and I, I just think... And I, and I don't know whether Jordan Boyd's going to play for the next two years or the next 12 years. I've actually got no idea where I sit on that. But I think in terms of, you know, comparing the pair in terms of a list spot, I, I just think Stocker was falling in such a no-man's-land position. I still think it's really stiff. But I don't necessarily think it's irrational, but I think Boyd Boyd just showed attributes where you'd need a player like that to call upon. And there's no doubt in my mind Boyd would have played... He, he wouldn't have fallen out of that team post the Richmond game if it wasn't for that injury. Yeah, I, I strongly agree with you. There. Yeah, I agree that's, as well. That's a good point. It seems that what we're doing positionally-wise... The one role, when you say we've never had that, we've never really had a proper wing for at least a decade. And that seems what their focus is now, but it's well, you're right. Horses for courses, play players in position, who would have thought, um, rather than trying to do a makeshift, how many positions have we seen us try with Petrovsky Seaton? How many tr- positions mm. have we seen us try with, you know, now Setterfield seems to have been an inside player, an outside player. He's a wingman. He's a So there's a few guys <laughs> who have kind of been a victim of that, uh, you know, deficiency in a certain role and trying to become polyfiller. Mm. Um, but yeah, Boyd's one who just, he's a round peg, round hole. Put him in there. Yep, I, I agree with that. So we may as well touch on Stocker now. What, what have you made of the decision to delist him? Look, it's, I'm sad to see him go. I think not that we want to keep anyone on the list because they're a magnificent human, but I think the culturally, what he brought to our club was nothing short of phenomenal. Um, we've it's been well documented every single time there's been a bit of a biff or someone getting manhandled on the, on the field not only is the first bloke by the side he stays there until it's done sort of thing you know he flies the flag he bled for our, for his teammates he loves loved a bit of a scrap but off field I think who he is as a human being is nothing short of classy and he 
carries himself with, you know, just the utmost class. Um, so culture-wise, what he brings to our group, I, I will miss. Um, I think as a footballer, look, he's he's got the attributes to become a good player. I just haven't seen the growth. Whether that meant that he was not necessarily in my best 22, perhaps, whether or not that meant he needed to be cut from the list, I think it's it's a harsh decision, but it's one I kind of understand. So, I, um, yeah, I'm going to jump in here. Um, and we sort of read out in the first part of this review, we read out a tweet that Bolt made, and just sort of quickly summarizing it. Liam Stocker arrived at the club. 2019, he was injured in his first year, still managed to play some games. Second year, it was we were in the hub. He came home, so wiped his whole second year out. Third year, half in the hub, played a lot of footy, played good footy last year, I think. He won our Best Young Player Award, so he took massive strides forward. And then 2022, his entire preseason missed because of a syndesmosis injury. So you look at his chance. He had a rotten run of it. And I mean, he just, he never had really a season where you can go all right well he was had a full preseason and played and was available for every game last year was that season where he actually played quite well but you know it was an interrupted covid season in the hub so i i I think i I just sit on the page where i i think it's really 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 stiff like it's super harsh but and I, i do kind of get it I get where they're coming from. I think the decision probably should have been made in 12 months' time and given him the benefit of another year to prove that, you know, to kind of prove to us what season was the anomaly, 2021 or 2022. Because his 2022 season, for what it was worth, was terrible. Mm. Like, he didn't play well at all. And I I think off the back of 21, he deserved the chance to show us what's the real Liam Stocker. That's why I'm a bit disappointed by it, but I, I do get it because he is just such an so yeah, in-betweener at the moment. Just as well to put to bed any sort of, I guess, sinister rumours surrounding him, Sam Edmund very rarely gets anything wrong. I can't think, I strongly agree. I can't think of any sort of thing that he's reported on that he's got wrong. And he said, this is just as simple as it is a simple delisting. The club didn't believe he had the attributes to make it as a midfielder. he They don't think he has the tank and that he's ever going to be able to build the tank. They thought that he wasn't quick enough to be a defender, probably not in the best 22 as a defender, and his disposal at the elite level wasn't good enough. So this is there's nothing going on behind the scenes. This is not one of those, you know, there's... Yeah, he didn't fit in or he's done something. Yeah, yeah, no, this yeah. isn't like that. This is... I agree. And, and what I will say, it is, it is, you know, a little bit disappointing to see sort of the social media reaction to his mm-hmm. farewell post. There weren't particularly a lot of players that got around him. But at the end of the day, I believe what Sam Edmund's saying, and I don't think this is there's anything sinister going on. It is just a simple delisting. What I will quickly bring up um, before we move on, um, we did a tweet the other day, a poll, um, saying, you know, asking our followers, if you're the list manager, what would you do with Liam Stocker? Mm. There were four options. There was re-sign him on the senior list. There was re-sign him, but move him to the rookie list. There was trade and there was delist. Now, we had 700 votes and a lot of people have obviously, um, there's been some votes since the decisions made where people have hopped on to the delist option because it's already happened. But I had a screenshot of it before the announcement was made. 2%, just 2% of people said to list him. 
Wow. 70% said re-sign him onto the senior list. So, the, cl- the, the, the supporters clearly wanted him to stay. So, I actually voted for that. I didn't know you were making that poll. And I voted for that before he was delisted. And I actually, resp- I actually clicked on the option, re-sign him on the rookie list. Yeah, and that's that's fair. Chosen rookie, yeah. yeah. And I just think if you if they thought the way they were feeling about Stocker, I still think that makes way more sense than delisting him. Because yep. I've got no doubt in my mind he'll be picked up. Oh, he definitely. I so. I, look, I think that a few clubs kind of realised where he was in the scheme of things for us, and they chose not to pursue a trade option because they thought they might get him for free. And ultimately, that's what led to him getting delisted because the club, it seems, of trying to give him the, every chance they, that they can uh, to get him somewhere else via a delisted free agent or whatever he'll become. Um, but yeah, when you when you set it out like that, and when you're you know you outlined 2019, 2020, 21, etc. Um, I'm sure what Liam Stocker would give for the patience that was shown to the likes of Cunningham and Archbank over the last handful of years. Um, I think maybe it's a product, or a byproduct of the likes of Cunningham and Marchbank over the last handful of years have been out of the side and haven't been able to get on the park, but they've been shown that grace and that that patience probably because of where the list and where the club's been at over the last handful of years. Mm. And now we're showing those signs of improvement has become a bit more ruthless in our, you know, pursuit of what we do need on the list is really harsh, but he, um, they're the two names I can't help but compare him to at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think we'll sort of, I guess, further moving on this conversation. I think that there's clearly, I don't think it's a line in the sand moment, but I think that the club's almost, this is really the first off season that Michael Voss has had at his disposal. Last season was sort of, when did he come in? Was it after the trade period or no, before? No, no, before. But he but, was. No, it was before the trade period. But yeah, it was. Um, he was still I the work was, experience guy. I think it was late September. It was before the grand final. I know that much. Yeah. So this is the first off season where he's had a year to work with these guys, and then he can say, "Well, I've worked with them. I can make a decision now, and I'm going to back him in." And I, I think what's um, very much going to be interesting is to see what happens with guys like Will Setterfield and Paddy Dow, because this is, I think, I mean, we've heard murmurs that Setterfield hasn't been offered a contract. Um, and oh, and we've yeah. also heard murmurs that Dow's been told to look for a trade. So I guess it feels to me like this is a very, very lesser extent of the refresh that we used to have when we'd see 15 guys oh, I think move this is, on. I think this is as simple as the new list management team have come in. They don't like the top end talent we recruited mm. in the last four or five years. Well, and it I- is. It's an, it's an indictment on, on Sylvania. I know that we mentioned it privately. I don't know if you guys mentioned it in your part one or if it's been on the pod. But we haven't. Let's talk about it. Yeah, the, the Sylvani history outside of the first round uh, and those picks, yes, you can... I mean, God, you only have to look at... Believe in his time at GWS. You only have to look at... Just because they're picked in the top 10 doesn't mean they're going to be a, a gun. But um, outside of the first round picks, I think the players that Silvani drafted to Carlson um, via the national draft, we've got Jack Silvani was a father-son. Okay, it's a tick. Even though it's a father-son, it's still a tick. Uh, Zach Fisher was picked, did we say, eight to ten picks away from the first round? Yeah, he was about pick 25. Yeah, I think about 28 or so. 
Yeah. So, yep, that's a tick, Zach Fisher. Um, Tom DeConning picked about 10 picks or so, 15 picks out of the top first round. Yeah, definitely within 10. Um, looks like a tick. So those three, I think, look comfortable, and I would, I think we'd all be comfortable in saying, well, at least play another, at least another 50 games for the club, yep. we would imagine. Yep. Outside of that, players oh, from yeah. the national draft or rookie draft, who else have we got? We've got Owies. Um, was a rookie spot or a category B rookie yep. spot? Cottrell. I'll be confident he plays another fifty games for the club. Yep. Yep. I, I agree yeah, with that. He'll, he'll be close. And Cottrell as well is another one. Cottrell. Cottrell's a good one. From but other than that, I can't think how many more have we got. I need to. So we, yeah, we spoke about this, Nick. I'm glad you brought this up. We spoke about this in the in our in our chat, and I and I wrote a list. There it is, Bolt. Um, now, ch- slide the computer over. Um, I'm going to zip through this because the list is that big that I'm not going to. I reckon just pick out the goodies. Well, I'm. I just want to show. Oh, this is thirty names. No, no, no. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not reading them all. That one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, I think there's about twenty. Oh, so he's he's recruited about thirty players to the club outside of that first round, and you've just mentioned the ticks there. Yep. I'm absolutely flabbergasted at this list. I can't believe how many wasted picks we've had come through. You know what the issue is because those wasted picks—they're not even like, you know, yeah, they're just you know they're not superstars, but you know well, we got a bit out of them. They, they were actually some of them were filth. Yeah. Well, like, in, at, at the end of the day. Yeah. Guys like Zach Fisher and Owies and Cottrell, these guys were giving ticks. They should be these later picks. Like they shouldn't. Yeah, they shouldn't. They're not yeah. first round picks. Like I just think you look at some of these names. Like I don't know. I don't want to. Who sing- are we going to single? Nah, out? I'm, Come not, on. I'm not. Nah, Come I'm on. not. I'm not doing I like, it. Well, you know what? I'm a villain. I like going. <laughs> I like going with names. I'm not a villain. There's You're a, the villain. There's a couple on here now. I'm going to start with Matt Shaw from the Gold Coast. Like, what on earth was that? What was the point of that, I ask? Callum Moore from Richmond. Possibly the worst player we've had on our list over the last 10 years. Lockdown was lockdown was bad in 2020. This was up there. <laughs> now, another one. I'm going to give... Oh. Oh, there's... Hang on. They're, they're, they're great human beings. They just weren't very yeah, good no, AFL it's, footballers. It's, it's, a football pod, it's a footy podcast. Another one. You would have thought when you signed Tom Bug in the rookie draft, you would have thought, you know, you know, you would have spoken about, you know, what are you going to provide to our footy club? Not how quickly can you find a better job for yourself? How quick? Well, not only find a job for yourself, but anyway, we, we, do we all know what happened there and how it happened? Yeah. I don't, I don't know, personally. Well, look, I, I, I hope I don't get done for defamation or anything because <laughs> I'm almost certain it's very true. Maybe we'll hold off on it then. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> well, I don't... <laughs> Well, maybe you can tell us, and if we feel it shouldn't be included, we can edit it out. I'll, I'll preface it with that rather than stating it as absolute fact. Allegedly, allegedly. There might have been, there might have been uh, you know, private data of members and lists of everything given to his partner's social media company in terms of their branding and marketing pursuits uh, directly to Carlton people using his platform as a Carlton player. He might have procured those lists and that data not so legally. Wow. <laughs> and might have been why he was asked to move on pre-season in his first season. Well, 
Maybe. Back to my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know that, but we... Yeah, wow. Um, that's crazy. Say, and the other two, this list isn't... You know, the, that off-season where they went and got Mullet and O'Shea yeah. was ridiculous. But, but, I, but I think this is just proof to show that outside that sensational once-in-a-lifetime, really, 2015 draft, the recruitment driver, Carlson, has been pretty horrible. And, and yeah. <laughs> Well, that was... that was. You know what? I'm going to step in here. That one really pisses me nepotism. off. Because, you know, he was best mates with his son. Yeah, nepotism. Yep. It's, it's, that was an absolute joke. That really and was an absolute joke. He's to be doing okay in the state league now. Yeah. But that's now. That's four years after the drafting time. That's we're not to know that he's becoming that. What we drafted is not what he's playing in the state league now. No, and he was. Hang on, he was never in in a in a in an in era of the years. club where really everyone got a game. He was yep. never even close. He wasn't yep. even mentioned as a possible emergency. I agree. We know his name because he's a meme with the red hair <laughs> and the skinny frame. Honestly, that's, that's why we know him. Um, but, but it just shows you get like you get a new list management team come in and you look at all these high picks and I'll, I'll put it to you this way: this time next year we could be sitting here thinking the same thing's going to happen with Philp. Mm. And who knows? You know, if Brody Kemp only plays a handful of games next year, we'll be thinking here, saying to ourselves, you know, we're four years in. What's happening? Well, that last that uh, last draft that Silvani hit with us, where he had the. The pick that he, he, I think we bid on, uh, forgive me, I think Henry. it was Liam Henry from yep. Frio, yep. Liam yep. Green from, Gold, uh, from GWS, yep. Yep. were the two we bid on. And then after that, we trade the pick away to Gold Coast, split it up, and we get two players, Kemp and Philp. We still, after both of those picks, so we turned one pick into two, after both of those, the at that time, the captain of the WA under-18s is Devin Robertson. He's now playing finals games, winning finals for Brisbane as a starting four midfielder. Yeah, and, and it was obvious on draft night as well that he was the one we should have got. Like, he was the one we all wanted, I thought. Yeah, and, 100%. And he's about to keep Jared Lyons out of the team again. Like Jared, like Jared Lyons had played 89 consecutive games before last week, and he's about to miss these two finals. He was in Australian or also in the squad last He was in the squad, yeah. You know, you know, Devin Robertson's tagging job on, you know, Prestier and then obviously when he got injured, Cochin was it unreal. As in, uh, it's just little draft mishaps like this, really, they might, you know, you, they may not seem big, but, no, when, but when you've they're got massive. to utilize 30 to 35 players on your list, everyone needs to be capable. And so the two players picked between Kemp and Philp, I wouldn't mind either of them, Carl, Mitch Georgiades. Yep. Sam DeConning. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> other, other players in the next, let's say, the next 15 or so picks after that. Uh, Finn McGuinness looks like a good player. Yeah, I can, I can live without him. I haven't him. seen him yet. Uh, Harrison Jones looks like a gun. Yep. yep. Trent Rivers from Melbourne. Is he a premiership oh player now? Yep, he is. Oh, my God. Uh, Rivers is a gun. Yeah, he's going to be a great player. Kitty Coleman is elite. Chad Warner, pick 39. Oh, you're joking. Yeah. Oh, Noah it's... Cumberland, pick 43. The Sam DeConning one's probably the most annoying. That's shocking. I wouldn't mind um, Warner instead no, of I'd love Phil. Warner. Warner but, instead but, of but, Phil. But, oh. Sam Ramsey later in that draft. Oh, that Ramsey pick as well. Oh, my God. Who? Pick we got to him. Hugo Ralph-Smith from Richmond. Who's Ramsey? Well, we picked Michael up Sam Michael. Ramsey. Do you not remember? And then we delisted Who? him last year. Looks like Mark Murphy with a mullet. Oh. 
Hang on, surely you yeah. remember Sam Rat? He was he was an emergency a few was times. Was he number thirty three? Uh, yeah, thirty seven. No. no, 33. No, I do. I do. Okay, I do. yeah, I yeah. Do. Anyway. Oh, yeah, he, he never played. No, he, he never played. But he was an emergency a couple of times. Yes. He was close. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. He had a couple of games in the VFL where he looked like a decent player, but just uh. didn't come on. But like the Sam Ramsey pick as well. Like, So I, I, I like to study the draft quite heavily before, you know, throughout the year and then before the draft each year. And he wasn't going, th- he wasn't on anyone's list to be drafted. When we picked him, and and I remember famously, Fox Footy have well, their Sam draft Philp ranks. Was also out of nowhere. Um, no, but Richmond wanted Philp. Richmond would have taken him well, to pick Richmond after anyway. Stocker as well. But could you imagine my heart rate if we had two Dows? <laughs> but yeah, um, that Ramsey pick. I remember he didn't have a ranking on the Fox Footy rankings that year, and they give you know 150 ranks. It's, yeah. Anyway, um, there's no doubting that our drafting has been an absolute... I'm going to use the word disaster because I think it's fair. Um, However, our our ability to acquire players from other clubs has been sensational of late. Well, I think Nick Austin. I'm I'm going to heap his praises right now because Motlop... Well, Jesse Motlop and Matt Kennedy are my two favourite players. So, he's, you know, I, I couldn't rate Motlop high from what we've seen. I think Corey Durden is going to be a gun. And Jack Carroll, I'm a massive Jack Carroll fan. So, I think he's the, he's the bolter for next year, I think. I can, couldn't agree more. So, you know what? Nick Austin... Um, Hasn't had much to work with yet in the national draft. I was going to say, and finally... And he's probably slam dunked it. Give him a first round pick for the first time this year and see what he can do. I can't. I actually can't wait to see what he brings in. Not to mention, we've seen and we talk about players from other clubs we brought in. Well, we've seen oh, we've Lewis seen Young for oh. free, absolute oh. jet. Is Unbelievable. George. Lewis Young basically he cost us Petrovsky Seaton, which makes it free. Yep. Um, Unbelievable. Samo, I like Samo. He's a nice kid, but you know that's a thousand percent. If you ask. This time last year, who would you rather on your list, Petrovsky, Seaton, or Lewis Young? A few people would have said who. Well, now we know who now. Yeah. Um, so much so that we're okay with the fact that Liam Jones is going to play elsewhere next year. Yeah. That's Couldn't care less. Great. No, no. That's a, that's, a, that's a great measure. That is a really good thing to say. The fact yeah. that we're comfortable knowing Liam Jones is going to play for the Bulldogs and we yeah. don't care about it. Yep. It's a really good that's way it. to look at it. Well, I wouldn't. Yep. I wouldn't trade Lewis Young for Liam Jones. There's no way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick him for. I wouldn't trade him away now for 2017, 2018 Liam Jones. Yeah, well, it's twenty three years old. Lewis Young. He's going to yep. be a very good footballer for our club. I agree. Yep. No, I, I, I think that's. I think so. I think when we look at that, I look at. I look at. Um, and even there was one more he brought in from another club. Now I can't even think now. George. Um, uh, Chera. George Chera, and Chera. Chera is the other one. Now, Chera took his time, and I think he had a few injuries, and it was a bit interrupted. By the end of the year, Chera showed us the player that we brought in from another club. Chera is going to be... Sort of player that, I think that, especially the, the final round, especially, he showed me that he will be a player, when we're playing finals, who will be playing and playing well in that massive... I don't think Carlton's had a game as big as that since we played the last finals. Yeah, yep. We agree that Collingwood game is the biggest... Definitely. The biggest game, the most intense game, the most at stake. That was a finals game. Um, and, yeah, he just stood up and was nothing short of exquisite. So I think we can we can rest easy knowing that we've gotten the gun there as well. Yeah. And I, I think Chera's going to be great. 
I really do. Because he, he, he had a few things up, you know, he was up against a few things this year. But if you even go back the year before, like the Saad recruit is ridiculous. That's mm. incredible. And you know what? I, and I'm not a big fan of him. I don't love him. But I think going for like, Zach Williams is a pretty important part of our back seven. Yeah, I agree with that as well. You know, we can talk about the money. We can talk about the money and whatnot. But I think, you know, I, I'm of the opinion, I don't love him. But I, I do think he's quite important. I think the only reason that some people don't love him is that price tag. For sure. And I look, I, I, I get that. I think him for that. And I think it's similar to McGovern. I think it's easy to to focus on that. I think Zach Williams, again, it's not his fault. It's similar to a Dale Thomas thing. You bring a bloke in just as they hit all their injuries and it kind of works against him. And a few uh, that turns a few fans against them. I think that Zach Williams is a walk-up best 22 player for us. When Definitely. It's just a matter of getting him fit, I think, yeah. No, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Um, before we sort of touch up, let, let's let's move into the trade period discussion because we're sort of speaking about it right now and then we'll finish off just going through some of our awards. But um, Blake Akers, we're linked to Blake Akers. They're saying it's three years, 350k a year. Nick, thoughts on that? What type of a player can we expect to get? And uh, how big is the hole that he fills? I think the hole that he fills is gaping. It is the biggest hole on our uh, list by so far. It's not funny. Um, I think there are at least three or four games that I think were determined, and I brought up how we play at the MCG versus how we play at Marvel earlier. On the big open wings of the MCG, twice this year, Steel Sidebottom took the absolute mickey out of us. Players like Pendlebury later in the year took the mickey out of us, but in other games, uh, it was... What's the guy from... Uh, from Richmond who plays on the wing oh McIntosh uh, oh and Pickett Pickett, yeah Um, McIntosh as well but these sort of guys just turned it on in big games Brayshaw against us late in the season took the mickey out of us more playing inside but um, I think it's the one area where we get found out more than any other I think what Blake Akers will bring to our club and it seems it is an absolute lock he's coming um is a player that runs both ways very hard and isn't afraid to accumulate um, and manages to find the ball. Um, I saw Lockie O'Brien come on quite a fair bit this year. I still, I'm not, a, I'm not a, um, I'm not a devotee to the religion that is Lockie O'Brien yet. <laughs> oh, well, we're happy to have you on board. <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm definitely agree. He's coming, he's come along the needs and bounds, and you know he's earned that elevation. It seems from the rookie list. Yeah, he has. Just like Kennedy did the year before, and hopefully, we'll move, we'll hopefully talk about them soon. But there's other players who might get re-rookied. Um, hopefully, that's the springboard they need for the kick up the backside they need. But yeah, so I think Acres will become a best. We'll walk into our maybe walk into our best twenty-two, but we'll definitely. I think. No, I think he will. Yeah, no, he'll he'll be there on night one. One hundred percent. Yeah. Acres was in Australian squad form before he did his hammy in the middle of the Earlier year. Earlier this season, he was very good, wasn't he? Very good. Acres, and you know what? He's what is he? Twenty six, and yeah. he's he's actually quite tall, so he's got a bit of a presence on the wing as well. Uh, I, I think if he's coming for the reported figures, he's coming for just in general. This is as good as a pickup as you could have hoped for. And I know it's not the big name where he's going to sell jumpers off the shelves, but this is just like, like it, it, it's just such an intelligent recruit. Mm. Well, it's like the George Hill. You know why this is intelligent? It's about one eighty nine centimeters. That's what. That's six two. That's, yeah, that's a no, he's size. a big fella. But this is yeah. you know I'm I'm so in love with this trade recruit 
because it's not the big fish, but he's almost at the top of the list on the non-big fish wingers. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's such a good recruit. It's the most... Carlton have probably made it, compiled a list of wingers, but they probably they wouldn't have included, you know, Josh Dacos and McRae and those guys. They would have compiled a list of... He's probably at the top of your most realistic wingers to trade for. Yes. That's why okay, it's such so a good if, recruit. If, if McCluggage was available, wouldn't you love it? If Bailey Smith was available, wouldn't you love of it? Of course, but it's like, a waste of time. In lieu of that... This is as shrewd as I think you can get. This, this hopefully, and I, I've got confident enough, will be this year's George Hewitt. Yeah, it, it, I, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. This is yep. brilliant, brilliant, brilliant dealings from Carlton. They've exposed a player who sounds like he's been significantly underpaid at Fremantle. Yep. And it's not like we're paying him exactly. what his market value is probably worth. Yeah. Like, he's still getting underpaid. That's what, It's yep. just... Uh, I'm in love with it already. And it okay. looks like it's going to go through... And do we... I feel like this trade will be centred around our pick 28. I think that's fair. Because I think on the night that 28 will become about 31. Mm. Once all the the free agency compensation picks and your father's sons come in. So, yep. And I think... what Are we both in agreement? 31 for acres sounds about all right? I don't yeah. think it's far off. I don't think it's far off. It'll be really interesting. I think we've currently... Am I wrong? We've got currently two third rounders. Am I right there? I, I think so when you include the Liam Jones compensation. The Liam Jones pick. So we've got one that will make it two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a chance that, you know, picks like that, if you gave them that pick and then there's a swap of picks and we slide down the order next year or something like that, you could probably get away with that. But yeah. somewhere in the 30s, I would imagine, would be the, the real value, yes. Yeah, yeah. same. I think, on the, I think when we when you add and subtract all your draft points, I agree. In the 30s, it will fall. I've just got the draft up here. The indicative so order? The indic- yes, the indicative. It's a key word this time of the year, indicative. <laughs> um, so we got pick 10 and 28 at this point. I saw it today. Yeah, no, we do. Um, so yeah, very interesting. Um, Nick, thoughts on Will Setterfield? I guess him and Dow, because Setterfield's the one who we've heard murmurs that he's been told he won't get offered a contract. What are your thoughts on that? Um, what would you do if you were the list manager? Um, I think, well, I was mentioning how O'Brien got moved to the rookie list last year and the year before that was Kennedy. I think that is a natural fit for Will Cedarfield where he's at in terms of his position on our list. Now, I've also heard that they've kind of said, look, wait until after draft week, or trade week at least, and see what we pick up. And they might have their eye on someone else, um, and that might determine Will's spot. That has kind of, it seems, prompted Will and his team to at least test the waters elsewhere and see what's out there. And there might be a few nibbles. So that might mean that he moves before we move um, on him. So if that's the case, well, we might be able to bring something else back in. Um, and, you know, I'd wish him, Will, you know, he's by no means a bad footballer. He's got his uh, flaws like everyone does, but he uh, he's not Sam Walsh or Patrick Cripps integral part of our club. But two years ago, I would have said the same about Matt Kennedy and he's stepped up to the plate when it's needed. So I thought Setterfield's last couple of games, especially the D's and the Collingwood game, I thought he was outstanding. So there's definitely something there making me hope that they do persist with him. Um, if we can manage to keep him on the rookie list, I think it'd be a good thing for us. If if he chooses to test the waters elsewhere and seeks a trade, 
Well, then I'm very interested in what you guys think his value might bring back to us there. Would it just be a third-round pick or something sounds about right? Mm, I'll just very quickly say I would be... I'd be a bit disappointed to see both him and Stocker walk for nothing. Like, yeah. like I think I, I'm in agreement with you. I'd like to see him on the rookie list for at least one more year. Um, I just can't ignore what we saw from him in 2020 when he was yes. dominating from the inside. So I'd like to see one more year of him on the rookie list. I, I think this is. I just think we're stuck between a rock and a hard place here with Setterfield, and I don't want to sound like I'm picking on him. I really don't. But the the reality is, if Paddy Dow wasn't contracted, this wouldn't be a question. I agree. The issue is we probably can't we can't afford to carry both on our senior list. That's just the reality of it. And unfortunately, the timing isn't great for Centerfield, and it benefits Dow. Now well, it might not be. It might not be a factor of whether we're waiting to bring someone in. It might be a factor of whether we're seeing whether we can get Dow off the list. Potentially. And, then, and that's why they've told Setterfield to wait because they probably are waiting to see what happens with Dow. Well, we've heard today that they've told Dow to look for a trade. But we know yeah, that well, Dow... I'm, I'm glad to hear Dow saying the right things. He wants to stay. I agree. I've got full respect for that. Yep. But whether or not we want him to stay, it sounds awful, doesn't it? But Well, it's a... That's you know, the reality, I think. Yeah, it's it a cutthroat in... I mean... He's. I think the comments he said. You know, I live with Sam Walsh and Matt Kennedy. He and you're still it. welcome to live with them. <laughs> you just won't be work colleagues with them. Like yes. you're, you're still welcome to have dinner and breakfast with them. That's great. Um, and I think the fact that at the end of the year, when everyone else was out, we were playing with no Hewitt, no Kennedy. I think there was one game we didn't have either of them and Chera in yep. the midfield. And Paddy Dow still wasn't getting a game. Showed what we, the club think of where his position is. Yeah, he, Setterfield was getting chosen ahead of him. Jack Nunes was getting picked ahead of him. Um, that just showed to me. I spoke volumes of his position on our list. Setterfield, when given that chance at the end, stood up and took his chance. And I really hope, I really do hope that they managed to find a spot for him on the rookie list or something. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I hope. I do. I hope that involves moving Paddy Dow on as well. I hope that is the case. I yeah, would agree. I think it's good for player and club, but it, it, it yes, just makes life really yes. difficult for Setterfield. And I genuinely think if Setterfield was to, you know, I can handle Setterfield being re-rookied with Dow on the senior list, but I can't handle both of them being on the senior list. But I think if yes, Setterfield, no, if Setterfield is to be traded, I, I think it'd be very hard for us to ask for a pick in the top fifty. I really do. Brody go for last year? But I think that's a good comparison. Uh, no, that was crazy. The Gold Coast gave up a sec. The Gold Coast gave up pick nineteen and Will Brody for like a second round. The Gold nah, Coast basically the, had it, to get him completely off the books. It was a salary dump, so they actually lost pick nineteen well, just awful, just to get rid of him. That's I, th- awful, I think it was pick nineteen and Will Brody for pick thirty or forty or yeah, something. It was some. It was some bullshit. Three of the last couple of years, <laughs> I've just worked this beautifully like mm. yes they lost Chera to us and Chera is a good player they got a first round pick in they dumped some salary they're going to be able to afford uh, Jackson you know now they've got uh, guys like Brayshaw and guys coming through when Brody so for free they picked him up you know they're, they're working nicely over there I agree as in they landed Sarong and Hayden Young in one draft that yeah, is just awful. that's a royal flush absolutely <laughs> 
But um, yeah, enough. Well, we're actually big Freo fans this week, so I don't mind speaking about them. <laughs> but um, we're we're heave hoeing all the way to the Double MCG amazing, on Saturday. But um, no, it is interesting. You know, the whole Dow set of I just think it's unlucky timing. I really do. So we've currently delisted uh, Jack Nunes, Oscar McDonald, Liam Stockhart, Will Hayes, and Luke Parks. And we lost Williamson. And we lost Williamson. So that is, I believe. And Jones, technically, or was that position's already been spot filled? Hasn't I it? think that was filled in the mid-season. Yes, that was filled yeah, in the mid-season. So yeah. that's three rookie listed players and three senior listed players. Stocker, Williamson, and um, oh no, those are the only two senior listed players because Oscar McDonald, Will Hayes, and uh, Parks and Parks were all rookie. Rookies. So Stocker and Williamson. So we've only actually opened Nunes, up two. We'll sorry, see. sorry, and Nunes. so we've opened up three senior listed spots mm-hmm. um, at this point in time. So obviously we spoke about Blake Acres. Uh, there was rumours that we were going after Fisher Mackesy, and a couple of Adelaide journos said that that was basically done. We've since heard that Carlton are not interested anymore. And Thank goodness, can I say? Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, which is probably why Sam Durden's re-signed with us. Yeah, and, and good. I've I, I liked what I've seen from Durden. Even if I he's in BFL depths, he offers a big body, offers some experience, and I quite like what I've seen. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, and then there's obviously Lockie Shoal, who we've been linked to for basically all year. Whether that will end up happening, I don't know. I can't see that being one of the big deals of the trade period, but um, that might just be a young wing depth option that they might choose to bring in. Shoal's gone really quiet, hasn't it? Um, not that that's necessarily saying it's a bad thing and it's not happening, but it went really quiet. Um, yeah, I just think because he hasn't been playing. Uh, yeah, potentially. Yeah, potentially. The Mackenzie one, I'm very glad to hear that we were distanced from him. When the name came up, I kind of cringed. When he first came on the scene, I saw him play two or three games when in his debut season for lo- in, during lockdown. And I said, oh, gee, they found a player here. 150 game either end of the ground they found a bloke and then all of a sudden I don't know whether he got injured or whatever happened but I just saw this guy just disappear and then all of a sudden when he's playing at Sandful level he's getting three four disposals each week at the Sandful level yeah which is basically and I don't know whether there's behavioural issues I don't profess to know anything about the kid off field but what I have seen and heard and you know whenever his name was brought up online all people from South Australia kind of laughed and said okay take him if you want so they're mm. not convinced he's a player um, so yeah, I'm he's... glad to hear that we've been distanced from that trade yeah. well he hasn't played in two years he had a disastrous year in the Sandfall yeah. he averaged like seven disposals he yeah, was getting good. bags kicked on him every week and the Sandfall is very much what the Nefal used to be inflated numbers yes. so you'd expect him to get a bit more of the pill so anyway not going down that path, which is a good result. Do you think there's anyone else who we could possibly look at bringing in from other clubs in this trade period, or is it just going to be as simple as Acres and possibly Shoal? Well, I'd be taking, you know, I'd be, you know, taking pot shots at who I think could come because there hasn't really been anyone linked to us. Yeah. But, you know, probably a backup Ruckman, another Ruckman to add to the mix wouldn't go astray. Um. Okay. You know, there's there's just not that many, you know, viable ones. I was actually thinking of one today, though. Um, oh, but I think he's going to go to JWS. Oh, Lloyd Meek at yeah. Freo. Lloyd Meek, I think he's going to probably get offered more chance somewhere else. For sure. Hey, he wouldn't yeah. want to come to Carlson. 
But, you know, Lloyd, like, Lloyd Meeks looked really, really competent Matt when Flynn he's played. Matt Flynn, maybe? Matt Flynn's another, but yeah, it's just... The then, Ruck situation's really difficult because, you know what, we've already got, you know, don't take me too literally on this, but we've already got two backup Ruckmen already. Yeah. You know, we need the superstar Ruckman. Yeah. Would um, you take Goldstein for one year? I'm a no for that. I know a lot of people are. I, I don't love it. Uh, what are your thoughts, Nick? I'm hearing that he's now going to stay. Yep. The one, and it obviously comes with a big caveat because you've got to get a deal done and there's salary and all this sort of stuff. I'm the one, but the second the opportunity arose, I would have gone for Grundy, to be honest. Mm, I agree. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not even suggesting for a second that he is available to Carlton and it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. It's, I think he seems a lock to Melbourne by the sounds of things, yep. which I don't necessarily understand. I think you'd rather get... I don't know why he would want to play a second fiddle or try and compete with Gorn. I don't understand that, but that's for him. But um, I would have jumped at Grundy, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I hope they did because... Imagine Brody well, Grundy I'd, lining I'd, up for us. I don't think we can afford him. Let's be honest. How and and maybe we can't. Even at six hundred, like I, I would, to be really blunt and brutal, I would move players on to free up space for that six hundred thousand that it might cost. If if Collingwood's going to pay three hundred thousand of it, I'm willing to pay six hundred for Brody Grundy. For yeah, that. definitely. I'm willing to do that. Yeah, I think it would have been. I would have been icing on the cake even though the cake's barely out of the oven. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, but how quickly we forget what a player he is, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, nah, as in Brody Grundy, really, these are the two best rucks of this current generation. Imagine Strongly imagine agree. Cox and Sanderlands playing in the same team mm. 10 yeah. years ago. Like, Absolutely. You'd laugh at the thought of it. So We, uh, we had Matty Allen and, and Madden for a year or two, and then we had Allen and Porter for a year or two. Not yeah. Mark Porter's <laughs> necessarily got the... the Name runs on the board, does, no. But, yeah, but it's you know even for a bit of time at West Coast, Cox and Adenui. Absolutely, you know. So it's just it. I think they'll make it work, Melbourne. I really do. Um, yeah. But there's well, no. Way- made it work with Jackson, but I think it's more because he's a young developing player. It's totally different circumstances, but it's going to be really interesting what happens there. It's going to be great. Um, well, I think that's pretty much the trade side it, of things wrapped. It will explode. There'll be, no, there'll be more names. There'll be more names. I just to be on record, just in case it happens. James Harms. Ooh. That's an interesting You've heard name. we're interested? I've heard, I've heard that there's it's a chance. They're, they're, they're at least asking questions. Um, he is a premiership player. Might be, depending on how they go, might be about to be a two-time premiership player, but he brings a hardness. He brings... I like uh, it. An edge, he can knows where the goals are. He can kind of we talk about flexibility. He can play a few different roles, but I think that he could, either, if needed, move into the midfield. He can play on the outside on a wing if needed. He can kind of play half forward or half back. He's just a really adaptable, good player that might be starved of opportunity at the D's. Yeah, and might just be able to. They might just be able to pluck one, and his name has come up. Also, to and, set uh, some standards at the club. I agree. I think he's, he brings an edge that I really would like, but his name has only been whispered, but I just want to put it on record just in case it well, comes up. I want to be able to say, told you. Yeah, well, this, this is all yours. I, I, there's, there's only one role I can envisage him playing at Carlson, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. And I and I do like this, the thought of this. It's as a complete lockdown, small lockdown forward, take yeah, the opposition's halfback forward. flanker out yeah. of the game. Someone to finally sit on Brad Hill and... Yeah. You know, <laughs> That's the role I see for him. I can't 
envisage him being a stoppage player. I don't like him off the halfback flank and I don't love him on the wing. But I think as that real tough dickhead, really, at half forward, I think that's where, you know... The role that they tried to have Cunningham play in the COVID year. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just, you know, even to an extent, it's almost like the Owies role on steroids. Yes, there was one or two games where Cottrell even almost played yes. as defensive forward. Role yes, no, well. he did. Yeah. He definitely I did. Yep. So no, look, Harms is going to play if he's at the Blues. It's just, yep. it, 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 I just hope with someone like Harms, you're not moving magnets just to fit him in. I, I think there needs to be a specific role for someone like James Harms, yep. because he's one of those players as well that he might drown in a team that's not as good as the Premiers. Good call. Good call. So, like, I can't say... I, I I think it'd be a handy recruit. I can't say I love it, but I, I don't think... I think it's going to change the team, but, you know, his, no, name, yeah. uh, his name's come up, and just because he's a premiership player, I think that's the sort of player... I agree that, with you. ...in terms of the culture and what they bring. Um, I think, you know, the hardened edge... Uh, We've got a lot of pretty and good-looking boys at our club. I want a few punchable heads, to be honest. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. We need, we need someone to come in that's actually won flags and yeah. say this is what we need to be doing yeah. better. Here's the benchmark. Like, you know, like you know, what Brandon Ellis has done at the Gold Coast, similar to that. Strongly agree. And and I guess at the end of the day as well, someone like that really, it, you know, if James Harms is going to be player number let's just say hypothetically for the sake of the conversation, player 18 in your yeah. team, as in it means player 28's going all right as well. Yeah, good call. As in, I, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not saying I'm against it. I just think there's not a lot of scope for him to play a lot of roles at Carlton. Mm. It's, well, you know what? Then you got to look at it. If Melbourne's happy to put him in the middle and, you know, have these big tagging roles, you know, then he should be good enough for us. 100%. That's another way to look at it. 100%. Let's very quickly zip through these awards before we wrap it up. Yep. Um, most courageous player for us this season, Bolt? Oh, I think it has to be Doherty, just yes. in all things considered. Yeah, strongly, strongly agree, Doherty, for strongly me. There's agree. no other name that I can even throw in the ring. Wouldn't entertain anything else. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we're going to go with best first-year player. Actually, so, I think so, there was only one. So, so, hold on. Well, maybe we can include everyone's first year at Carlton for this. Okay, let's do that. Uh, so, Motlop's been stiff then, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but Motlop had a good year. We'll give him that. They, they've all got legs to stand on. I think, for me, it has to be George. Mm. Uh, yes, George. I'm going to... Oh. Yeah, it's got to be George. Young. Yeah, I was going to say Lewis. It's got to be George, though, for me. Um, but Lewis Young is basically equally as fair of a shout. Are you on the young band? They're all a shout. I do, if I'm having to put a name to it, it's Hewitt, but young, we lost Weedering for a month and he was our lone defender for a month, an important month, and we got a couple of wins in that time. Yeah, we got, yeah. Um, Lewis Young didn't just stand up, he really was phenomenal for us, so just to make sure that he gets mentioned as well, I think it's really hard to split them for different reasons. Yeah, completely green, isn't it? crazy that no one's mentioned Chera. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. But it's, State it's, knives. But it's great. It's great. Um, all right. Best and fairest. Um, let's talk about the best and fairest. I've got my phone's dead, but I, I know what my top three was. I wouldn't be able to get you the top 10. Bolt, can yep. you give us a top three from your best and fairest this year? Yep. 
I, I think it's going to end with I'm pretty. I think Crips will win the John Nichols Medal. Yeah. Well, we don't have to. We'll reveal what the actual be, votes are. I think are it'll afterwards. be Crips, Doherty, Walsh. One, two, three. Yeah. So I my final votes were Crips one, Walsh two, Kerno three. Um, yeah, that's how mine read. Nick, would what would you? What's your predictions for the John Nichols so, Medal? During the year on the Carlton Cheer Squad's Facebook page, I kind of did my votes each week, and I used my yes, we love it. Four, three, two, one. I ended up getting Doherty won my best and fairest ahead of Cripps and Walsh. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Saad finishes in that three either, though. Yeah, Saad's got to be a fair shout. Got to yeah. be a fair shout. Um, Bolt, have we missed? Have we missed anything on this show? I think we've covered basically the lot. Oh, I think we can. A game of the year, which like, yeah, game of a day at the footy we enjoyed the most. As in for me. Oh, I was. I nearly had a panic attack after round one. So it has to be. <laughs> round one was my favourite night of the year, and it's a shame that my season peaked on the on the opening night. <laughs> well, you had tears. You were emotional that well, night. Let's not a, forget. It was a big night. <laughs> Nick, big what's night. what's your thoughts? Yeah, that that Richmond game is something I'll carry for a long, long time for different reasons. Um, the Doherty goal is a moment that oh, I will yeah. never forget in yeah. my life. Um, that was probably the biggest moment this club has had since, you know, this will be fitting, this will be fitting, Judd kicks a goal. I think I haven't seen a moment like that at Carlton in general since then. Yeah, um, agreed. Also being able to spend the last 10 minutes waving goodbye to Richmond fans was something <laughs> that I'll hold for a while. Um, and when I think that game, Shea Bolton kicked a goal to put him about 21 points up in the last quarter, and I thought we're done here. And they found an extra gear, and I haven't seen Carlton have an extra gear for a long time. So that game holds a lot of memories for me, yeah. Definitely agree. I'm going to say, so that was clearly, I think, I think I'd agree that was the night, the game of the year. But I'm going to say, just round two, I just think the feeling after round two was a bit of validation that, yes. wow, we are actually pretty good this year. Like, round two for me, sitting here, bold in the study, recording this podcast after that game, just... It was an incredible feeling and, you know, that for me, um, I think was almost when our season peaked in terms of how highly we were rated. Um, but yeah, no, nah, those two nights were pretty special. And I guess the Sydney win. Someone put a tackle on the wing. O'Brien on Ed Richards, yeah. On Ed Richards and just mauled him. Mauled him. I had COVID that week. I was like Vossi and Jack Martin. Yes. I got COVID after the Richmond game. <laughs> so I missed that game, but that noise on the TV watching that moment was as loud as I've heard in years. Yeah, yeah it was brilliant. That was a great yeah. night of the foot. And I think, you know, in terms of a genuine rock and rolling Carlton crowd, round 10, Marvel was sold out that Friday night against the Swans. Mm. Swans. You couldn't get a ticket and we showed up. Nearly suffocated at the end, but we showed up. Yeah, mm. we battered them for three quarters. And, you know, the Swans are a pretty good chance of getting to the grand final. And I remember I said it to you, Jed, for a while after that game. I said, I really just don't think Sydney's quite there. Because, you know, we watched them live that night and they were really disappointing. Yeah. We just completely annihilated them, really. Mm. Well, our best matched with the best this year. We can't deny that. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, Yeah, we absolutely did. Collingwood, like, uh, another chance to play them in a prelim. We were five points away from beating them over two games. Yeah. Crazy. 
crazy we, when you put it that way. The D's in pre-season, I know that means stuff all, but when we had a crack at them in the serious season, we should have won. A second string side should have won. Yeah, we're ten seconds away from beating them. You know, like it's a. I hate what ifs because it's you know should have, would have, could have, didn't. Mm. But yeah, I don't think any of these teams really just pantsed us. Really, yeah. Frio no. in Frio earlier in the season was the biggest. Pantsing, I, I think, think we got. I think probably you know Brisbane. What? Oh, the, Brisbane actually. Yeah, no. The, the scoreline really flattered us there. Yeah. It did, but you know what? I was at that Freo game. You know, I, we weren't great, but I actually didn't think we were that bad. I just thought Freo were elite that night because yeah. you compare the performance to two weeks before that on the Gold Coast where we actually played like crap. I, I You could kind of see really good intent that Freo game. It was weird. Yeah. But, and I guess... We also lost Pitt Net in the first five minutes. Yeah, exactly. It, and, you know, and Mackay was... Pretty hampered that night as well. Yep. So it was a tough one. And then can we all agree that the worst game of the year in terms of performance-wise had to be Adelaide and Adelaide? Mm. Comfortably. Mm. Yep. I, for a long time, I thought St Kilda, but that Adelaide game was as bad as I've seen us. And yeah, even over the last couple of years, I thought that was as bad as yeah. soul destroying. I agree. I agree. Definitely agree. Um, I reckon that's... I think we've covered everything. Um, it's been a mega show, Nick. We seriously appreciate you taking the time out to join us. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure having you on, so really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, and, and congrats, by the way, on such an awesome year. You guys have... Uh, we've been riding the highs and lows, but, you know, I, I'm not shy in saying you are the one... I, I indulge in many podcasts and fan Carlton content, but you guys are the one that I am locked into each week, and... Uh, a lot of that is because of you know the quality you guys put out, but that's really helped the vibe during such a roller coaster season. So congrats on an awesome year, guys! I appreciate it. It's very nice of you. Yeah, and look once again, we really appreciate all the the stuff that you do for the club, the cheer squad. As we said, best in the league, almost best in the world. If uh, if Tottenham didn't uh, if Tottenham weren't there, <laughs> nah, definitely better than Tottenham. Um, nah, really appreciate it, Nick, and just. I mean, as you mentioned off air, you know, going to to the AFLW uh, banner night last week after enduring what we endured at the MCG just a week prior, uh, that is something that I don't think anyone else would have been able to do. So really, really appreciate it. Appreciate that. Beautiful. And just before we let you go quickly, because it's now off season, you just got to give me a number, not an explanation. We're a Melbourne victory finishing this season. <laughs> number one. That's what we like to hear. Terry Antonis is coming back. Number one. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll you guys have that. got to chat off air. Save that for another time. <laughs> Nick, thank you, mate. Really appreciate it. Awesome, lads. All the best. Go Blues. Go Blues. And they will know that they've been playing against the famous 